You're listening to the Your Queer Story podcast, the podcast that inspires peace, love, and radicalism, led by your favorite hosts, Evan Jones and Paul Hobbs. Trigger warning. Our content covers centuries of LGBTQ plus stories, and occasionally we may use outdated language or cover topics that include violence, assault, homophobia, transphobia, as well as other injustices against marginalized communities. Make sure you subscribe and review wherever you are listening, and be sure to follow us on all social media at Your Queer Story. And if you want exclusive content, join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. You're here, now let's get queer. Welcome back to you know the Church of Christianity. Do you know where those two references were from? No. Those are both that? RuPaul's Drag Race references. Oh, wow. Do you quote anything that's not RuPaul? Uh, I quote myself. <laughs> it's pretty good. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, you know what I noticed on the, the podcast? What? My laugh sounds so forced. I don't think anybody ever thinks that I'm actually laughing at you. But I just, I can't help it. It's because I'm laughing. Everything I do is so hard. So, I, like, I'll laugh really hard. Then it gets caught in my throat, so it's like, <laughs> and then you're like wheezing and. And coughing, then I'm trying to like throwing up. <laughs> <laughs> See right there, because everything is, I don't know. I don't know why it's worse. I really think you're funny most I, of the time. I hope so. One of my coworkers told me I should do stand-up comedy. Really? Yes, she did. Mm, you should do it. But I've been talking like, for years about how you were. No, do but it. I just feel like I have like a sense of humor that like I'm very in the moment. Like I can, yeah. I know how to respond to situations. But I yeah. don't know that I could get up on a stage, have everyone staring at me. Like, I know how to steer a conversation and be funny. Yeah. While I, I know how to drive the conversation in a funny way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I could just stand up there and make people laugh. Yeah. Well, that's why we've talked before about how you would be good at improv. You would be really good at improv. Stand-up is... Th- and that's but why stand-up, <laughs> I mean, but improv scares me more. Because there's so much pressure to just like do it in the moment. But that's when you're your funniest. It's when there's pressure on you, you, you respond. That's why we're different. That's why I'm the writer in this relationship and you're the other person. <laughs> very <laughs> I accurate. Just, I was just saying, because like I could write stand up comedy and I feel very comfortable in that. Improv, I get worried about. And then it's the opposite. No, I would you. never. If I had to do something funny, I'd be like, all right, throw me in. I'm not ready. Or I'd, you know what I'd do? I'd be like, okay, just let me know what it is so I can prepare. And then I would just pretend it wasn't happening. And then the day of, I'd be like, well, I didn't prepare anything, so it's time to fucking do it. Yeah. I think that's why I got good at it. That's know, true. I mean, I think that's our podcast every week where I've done all this preparation. And you're like, all uh, right, I'm going to read as we go. No, I usually listen to a few like documentaries. That, okay. I have at least the background knowledge. I don't know what your script says, but I know who the that's person true. is. That's true. That, that, well, it's helpful. It's helpful. By the way, I'm Evan Jones. <laughs> And I'm Paul Hobbs. We have been introducing ourselves less and less on this podcast, and people are going to forget who no, we are. If you don't know by now, but they, what about the new people? They're tuning in for their first time. We don't Thanks want for new being people. here. Wow, that's not true. <laughs> I just, want you. Just I joking. want you so. Bad. Join so the thanks for what, being here. Don't, join the homocrats. Join the queerstians. That's right. We are a group of queerstian homocrats <laughs> and working we are proud. to educate and better this country. I tell you what, this podcast has come so far. We have our own religion, and now we have our own political party. Um, and all we need is else? you. All we need is you. 
to become a, a, a Christian homocrat and to wear it with pride. Register that way on the ballots. That's right. Write it in. Write it in. No, don't. not on the ballots. On your voter registration. When they say, what party do you identify as? Homocrat. Homocrat. Refuse to be anything else. Um, yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, well, now that we're pushing you to that, um, have you been following? There's, I, we're gonna have to do a mini sode on like the candidates, the Democratic oh, candidates, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like where they stand on you issues. You know, it will be fun. What? Because I personally love watching all of this stuff. Like this is kind of like my um, the Super political Bowl. racist. Oh yeah, that's this both is like of my us. Super Bowl. Like, so what we should do? Okay. Is we should have a whole day where we mm-hmm. can sit and eat snacks and popcorn, yeah. and we can watch all the debates and take notes. Um, yeah, we should do that. We pretty much do that. Well, we didn't do that for the uh, the primaries, not the primaries, um, the mid elections. Yeah, but elections. I feel like shit was crazy then, and I feel it like was. this goes on for longer. So, I, and I feel oh, like yeah. it's bigger. Like it's easier to find information oh, yeah. on. Well, the as awful as the turnout was, the 2016 elections we loved. We did great. Same thing with back when um, Obama was running in yep. 2012. Paul we and I just had we just sit and watch the debates. Drunk. Yeah, belligerently yeah. drunk. I did not get drunk during the 2016 campaign because I that's the year that I decided to get sober for some fucking reason. <laughs> I thought that was real hard when Trump got elected. That was that was really hard. I honestly, it's sad. Um, I won't the uh, the recovery groups that I go to there the day after the election there were a lot of people that were like I don't know how I'm gonna stay sober through this like it was a big deal it was rough mm-hmm. um, but yeah no I'm I'm all down for the party but I think that we should for before the primaries we got to talk about it because there's like there's, we need you to know what we are gonna tell you to vote for <laughs> no we're not gonna tell you who to vote for but we are gonna tell you about the queer issues and you got to factor in the other issues too. You can't just vote for someone because they're queer right, yeah, or because they support queer rights. There's there's a lot of people that need support, but you should at least know where they stand on queer rights. Absolutely. So, you, yeah, yeah. Abs- I agree with and that. And we have the, uh, uh, that uh, Peter uh, Buttage. I want to say it's Buttage, nope. but what is it's like Buttage? It's like Boutige or something Boutige. like that. It's like Bougie. I remember hearing it, Bougie. and I was like, okay, <laughs> you're trying to make your last name fancy. That's you're, the gayest last name I ever heard. Your last name it has the word butt in it. Your last name is definitely like Buttage. But go ahead and make it fancy. It's fine. Whatever. Mayor Pete. Hey, we've got the first real homo running for He's office. from Indiana, guy. I'm Jesus telling you. Jesus Christ. South Bend, Indiana I'm... coming through for the win. Who would have thought it? This is what we get for shitting on Indiana <laughs> for all those years. Indiana's like, you know what? We're going to prove you wrong. Or like, oh, are you going to sit here and make fun of us and say, oh, we don't have queer people. We'll show you queer people. We can get the queerest fucking candidate we can give you. So, Except he does not watch RuPaul's... Well, he says he doesn't RuPaul, watch RuPaul's Drag Race. My thinking is that uh-huh. he's trying to not come off as gay, gay, as gay. As too gay? He wants people to... I think he wants to be... Pre- I mean, he very could... He maybe doesn't like that kind of stuff. Who knows? But I also think he is a very smart person. Yeah. Um, he was talking about religion, and I think he was mm-hmm. trying to use it as like a... I'm a religious guy, just like all yeah. of you. Like, you know, he <laughs> I, might very well be like that, but well, it's smart of him to play that way. He is a 37-year-old veteran who has been in politics for a while, and I just, I, it's nothing, I just think you kind of grow out of RuPaul's. I mean, it's... No. Okay, I'm just... Wrong. <laughs> okay, Trump. Wrong. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the facts that I just made up. I'm just saying that I think that at some point, like, he probably enjoyed RuPaul when he was in his late 20s, when RuPaul's Drag Race was starting. But I, as you get older, like, he's going to work. He and his husband are living life. He probably is involved in his church. Which so am I? 
you're also 28. How old I, are you? <laughs> 22. Wow. Actually, I honestly don't know how old I am. Because no, listen, you're 27. No, no I'm not. Listen. What? I told David for like three God. years now that I'm turning 25, and for the first two I had him believing it. He eventually found out, but like before, like the months uh-huh. before, I'd be like, man, I can't believe I'm turning 25, and he was like, I know, you're getting old. Meanwhile, he doesn't realize that he's been going up in age, and somehow I've stayed 25 <laughs> for years. It works for a while, but mm-hmm. so now I think I'm 26, but I always forget. No, you're definitely not 26. You I know, are I think I'm turning 27 are- this year. You are I not. In, I was born in 92. Kim, if you could just send me a PM to let me know how old no. Paul is. Um, <laughs> I was born in 92. This it's bitch, not my birthday yet. I feel like I've celebrated your 25th birthday <laughs> at least twice as well. So you've got to be at least 27, 28. No. How, how old is Paul? You've lived <laughs> your life so much it's become our reality. Don't you see what you're doing to us? I'm looking it up, guys. <laughs> are you how looking up being year to birth? How old am I? Oh, my God. <laughs> I cannot. I told you I'm 26. You are 20. It's just, you are 26 <laughs> years, eight months, and one day old. Aww. <laughs> All right, fine. He's 26. So you've got a couple more years before you have to. How are you that much younger than me? I don't know. How are we making this friendship work? I don't know. You're only like 35. <laughs> Bitch, I'm gonna fucking punch you in the face. <laughs> I would not. I would never advocate for violence, but. But maybe. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah. Where are we going? Pete, Mayor Pete. My whole point was, whatever. You're 26. He's 37. There is 11 years difference. He's going home to... He's married. Settled down. He fought a war. Like, he doesn't have time for RuPaul's. I bet you he's secretly the biggest RuPaul fan. <laughs> maybe. He has a RuPaul tattoo on his chest. <laughs> That's no, going to be the real he, conspiracy. He has something older. He has, like, some older kind of gay paraphernalia. I'm sure he probably... Like dance the fuck up in a gay bar in the like early two thousands. Those would be some some tapes I'd like to see. I would love to see leaked. that. I would love to see it, him all tweaked out, so doing something somewhere. I'd love to see it, but whatever. Where were we? <laughs> we're supposed to be talking about Jeffrey um, Dahmer. Pay attention to the politics. Yeah, we're gonna cover him. Minnesota or maybe a YouTube video or who knows something. A couple things. We'll set especially closer. We'll try to get you some information out now. Primaries are still a little ways away, but you should at least be. I followed everyone who said they were running for um, office. I followed them on Twitter. Yeah, and keep up most of them on Instagram because I want to see what they're saying. You know, and I haven't even decided who I'm voting on. I have a couple of strong candidates, but I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. So mm-hmm. we'll see. The important thing is that uh, asshat gets the fuck out of the presidency. So let's work together and make it happen, people. And let's talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. So if you didn't want listen to last week's episode, you should go back and listen to it. You're going to be a little bit confused, and then you're going to catch up. But exactly. going back and listening is going to help you follow the whole story. And you get an extra, like, 45 minutes of listening to us. So yeah. it's like a win-win. Exactly. It's a win-win-win. There's nothing better than listening to our voices. Um, if you So if we picked up last week, he had gotten the job at the chocolate factory. Yeah. Um, and then he got in trouble again for indecent exposure at, um, and his drinking got him in some trouble. So um, where else were we picking up? Oh, and we talked about how, oh, he had raped the 12 men and the police did nothing yep. about it because they didn't want to... At this point, he's like, well, fuck it. Apparently, I can do whatever I want and nobody's going to care. Exactly. Homophobia was really holding, um, was really helping Jeffrey Dahmer because the police didn't want to get involved with the homos. So these 12 men were either afraid 
to go to the cops or if they did go to the cops there they just nothing was filed nothing was uh, was done about the fact that they were drugged and raped by Jeffrey Dahmer and um, even though but the gay community was aware of him mm-hmm. uh, the bathhouses the gay bars all, they more and more of them were closing uh, their doors yeah, to Jeffrey because like, uh, hey watch out for this fucking psychopath exactly which we get we know coming from that community that's what you have to do you look out for your own yep. so it just kind of goes around like you see the guy sitting at the end of the bar and everyone will be like don't talk to that guy or don't go away with that person avoid that that girl or whatever because the, you know we know we don't have the cops to back us up so mm-hmm. we you know you have to we talk to each other exactly so where homophobia had helped Dahmer escape punishment alcoholism was making sure he didn't get out unscathed in 1986 Jeffrey was arrested again for indecent exposure which was later reduced to disorderly conduct he was put on one year probation the following year Dahmer met a young man named Stephen Toomey at a bar and the two went back to Jeffrey's hotel for some fun but Dahmer testified he went into a, a blackout from drinking, and when he woke, awoke, he had beaten Toomey to death. He, brought, he bought a suitcase, transported the body to his grandmother's, and dismembered the body. He discarded all of the parts except the head, which he kept for masturbation, until it became too brittled. Yeah, so this, was, so this is his second murder now, um, and he was living with his grandmother at the time, um, which comes a little bit into play, but yeah. And this is where he starts trying to preserve the bodies so that he can keep them around for his necrophilia. If you remember, we in the last episode we talked about how he um, he the reason he had drugged the men was because he wanted to sleep with a dead body, and so he right. would drug them in so that he could simulate that. And then finally, Stephen Toomey he uh, he killed who I believe was Asian American, or he might have just you know, I think he was. Yeah, he was he was he was Asian. I just don't know if he was an immigrant or oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, Asian American, but you know. So Toomey's murder launched Jeffrey on a killing spree. Over the next five months, Dahmer killed fourteen year old James Doxtater, a male prostitute he had lured with the promise of fifty dollars and a modeling job, and twenty two year old Richard Guerrero, who Jeffrey met outside of the gay bar The Phoenix. Both men were drugged with sleeping pills strangled and then their bodies were used by Dahmer for sex and experiments and all of this was done at Jeffrey Jeffrey's grandmother's house while she was still living there in fact potential victim number four was saved when Jeffrey's grandmother spotted him bringing the young man home instead of killing the young man Jeffrey drugged him and just dropped him off at the hospital which uh bold like with your grandmother there Uh, yeah yeah just like I I mean she must have been almost deaf or something there had to be some sort of level i don't know if she's living in denial or or if she was i don't know i (laughs) i don't know how you don't know this is going on (laughs) well jeffrey came in with a boy last night and he didn't leave with him also i don't think jeffrey was out to his grandmother so she's just bringing all these boys home i don't know what's going on (laughs) he's just got so many good male friends that's the thing they only ever come uh, around once (laughs) i never see him again but you know he just he's got a steady line of them you know (laughs) Uh, Grandma Dahmer had enough of all of Jeffrey's sexualist escapades and the rotten smells her basement was starting to emanate. Yeah, that's a real, like, his grandmother was, again, everywhere Jeffrey goes, it stinks. And people are like, why does it smell so bad? Not realizing there are two dead bodies rotting under the floorboards. Um, Dahmer moved out to a one-bedroom apartment but didn't have time to enjoy his new place. He was arrested the next day for fondling a 13-year-old boy. While he awaited his conviction, Dahmer made bail and hit the gay bars again. This time he met a 24-year-old model named Anthony Sears. 
Jeffrey lured the young man home, drugged him, strangled him, dismembered the body, and disposed of most of him. But he kept Sears' head and penis preserved in acetone and stored in Jeffrey's work locker. Yes, at the chocolate factory. Yeah, um, he kept his penis and head in his locker. Can you imagine opening someone's locker at work and seeing that? Like, my employees at work have their own lockers, and I can't, I had to, like... check them, like, just to make sure there's nothing in there? I don't check their lockers. They have locks, but I've had to open old ones that had, like, where the employee got fired and they never took their stuff, and I can't imagine, like, unlocking that and just seeing a head and, like, what you do in that moment. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) And you meant he's going to work every day. He's in the factory. You don't know where your chocolate's coming from. that's the point, people. Yeah, he probably touched the dick and then made your chocolate bar. He, he went in there, he sucked his dick popsicle because he did that. And this is not a good, this is Jeffrey. I'm talking about the victim. I'm separating the two in my mind. Um, but he would he would do that. He would keep the penises to like suck on them. And then he would put them back in there. And then you go to work. This tastes like After, acetone, don't they? I, don't I know. Yeah, they do. I mean, just get a dildo at this point, buddy. If, that's, if you just need a cock in your mouth... Like, you just need the shape of a cock. I mean, it's not tasting good. You're not getting anything. I Again, he was a very sick individual. Um, but remember, this is in between. He gets arrested. He fondles this 13-year-old boy, gets arrested, makes bail. And now he's... And, and in the middle of that, he kills... Um, he kills the, the model, Anthony Sears. So he was sentenced for his assault of the boy, but was only given five years probation and one year at a corrections house. So he doesn't even go to prison. He goes to a house where he's allowed to go out and he can still go to work and, and mm-hmm. he just doesn't have other liberties. This allowed Jeffrey to keep his job, but it limited the rest of his freedoms. For a year, the queer community of Milwaukee was free from the terror that had begun to loom over the gay nightlife. Unfortunately, much darker days lay ahead for the city. In May of 1990, Jeffrey was released from the corrections house and got an apartment at 924 North 25th Street. Within one week of his new freedom, Jeffrey killed his sixth victim, 32-year-old Raymond Smith, another prostitute which Jeffrey lured with a promise of $50 and a promise of modeling work. This time, Jeffrey followed up with his promise of pictures, however, only after drugging and killing Smith. The next day, Jeffrey brought a new camera and took pictures of the body before dismembering and keeping the parts he liked. Um, So he's just escalating. Oh, yeah. Quickly. Every every murder, it's like... It just gets like more intense, more... I don't Mm -hmm. know about how the murders took place, but like the, the aftermath... Gets so much more escalated. Exactly, and he and he's just so bold about it. Like I said, keeping the body or the head in his the chocolate factory, and then um, the amount of times he's been arrested for shit. The right. amount of reports, even if you didn't arrest him for the reports of rape against him, you have all of them. He does. He fondles this boy, and he gets five years probation. Again, going back to how people aren't taking sexual abuse seriously right. and thinking, oh, it's just sexual abuse. No, it's not ever just sexual abuse. This is violating someone and potentially harming them for the rest of their life. Exactly. And then you don't know what else is going on beneath all that. Mm-hmm. That's you. <laughs> the next week, Jeffrey planned to kill again. <clears throat> but this time, he mixed up the drinks and took the one with the sleeping pills. He was such a drunk that he didn't even know what he was drinking um, anymore. I mean, I... I too bad he wasn't just poisoning the victims at this point. It would have been over with. <laughs> Jesus. They were dying anyways. Exactly. At least this way, they just, he would have just been dead. If he had just, yeah, if he'd just been poisoning uh, people, he would have just died. When but. he woke up, he realized his intended victim had stolen several items and several hundred dollars. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Good. 
No, you're not no, sorry. No, I'm not Good. sorry. I'm sorry that I'm laughing because oh. this guy could have died. But like, fuck you, Jeffrey. Exactly. I'm glad this guy probably goes around. He's like, yeah, well, you know what? I fucking escaped Jeffrey Dahmer and I stole a bunch of his shit. Yep. So there. <laughs> Hey Queerstians, thanks for listening to today's episode of Your Queer Story. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with your free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I love Audible. I've had my subscription for over two years and it is worth every single penny. I listen to it all the time. I hate to read, but I love listening to things while I work. Audible gives me the opportunity to listen to the best-selling books, while I'm at my computer or driving and makes the day fly by. And the best part is that Audible offers a wide variety of queer-friendly books as well. So you can listen to anything from The Queer History of the United States by Michael Bronski to over 200 LGBTQ fantasy novels. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com queer. Again, that's audibletrial.com queer for your free audiobook. A few months <laughs> later, Dahmer murdered 27-year-old Edward Smith though he screwed up on preserving the body and ended up exploding the skull when he tried to dry it in the oven. A few months after that, Jeffrey murdered 22-year-old Ernest Miller, one of the few victims Jammer actually didn't strangle. This was because Jeffrey only had two sleeping pills. He was afraid Miller would awake and fight back, so Dahmer sliced Miller's Miller's corroded artery and let him bleed out. He then dismembered, discarded most of the body, and preserved the parts that he liked. That's a running theme. He only liked certain parts. Exactly. That, is it different parts of every person's body, or is it like it the was, same parts of each person's that, body? It, well, every person was different, but he basically he liked the head, he liked the penis, and then um, occasionally he would like save the brains to eat, or he would like make, maybe take the organs out, mm-hmm. and that's when he started experimenting with you know cooking stuff and, and eating it. You know, I, he wasn't eating meat, like human flesh every night. That wasn't the thing, but he did admit that he had eaten some of the... He had tried the, a couple of things. Yeah, he had tried the stuff. So in September, Jeffrey killed his eighth victim, David Thomas, a 22-year-old he met at the local mall. You know, sorry, I'm interrupting, yeah. but the thing that surprises me about him the most as far as uh, kill, serial killer group of mm-hmm. people... Is that his victims vary so much in age? He's got like oh, a fourteen-year-old, yeah, right? a thirty-two-year-old, a twenty-two-year-old. Like usually, when you hear about serial killers, it's like they're very close in appearance, they're very close in age, like they're almost like identical people in yeah. a way. Yeah. And these people are just—I mean, maybe it's just whoever he could get home with them. Maybe it didn't matter. Maybe it was like, okay, this person, I at least find somewhat attractive, and they're willing to come home with me. Well, that was a big thing because um, there are night, there are times where he would go up and he would hit on several people at night. And again, remember. People in the community are saying, stay away from this guy. He's creepy. We don't know. There's something off about him. Heard that he raped this, uh, my friend, or whatever. Um, a lot of these men were prostitutes, um, and most of them were people of color, mm-hmm. which was a huge factor in this because... Yeah, that on top of it, too. Exactly. You're preying on uh, male sex worker, male gay sex workers who are people of color. Like, could you find... A least group of people that the police are interested in. Right. You know, just just to be honest, like the police weren't interested. You're a male prostitute. You you sleep with men, and you're a person of color. I don't care about you. Right. And he knew that he. So to say that he was completely out of touch with the reality, well, he was fucking smart enough to know who the police wouldn't come looking for. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Like it's not. It, it's not. People say, oh, he was just so sick in the head. He knew enough to know what the fuck he was doing. But yeah, there were nights where he would. It was reported he had hit on several people and then finally he gets someone and most of the time he had to lure them back with, with money. money and promises of this or that yeah 
So, um, oh, so the two, uh, so he, it was David Thomas. The two men headed back to Dahmer's apartment for drinks, and then, of course, Jeffrey drugged him, strangled him, dismembered the body, discarded the body, and preserved the parts that he liked. This was his last victim for the next five months, though he tried on five different occasions to lure more victims back to his apartment. During this time, Jeffrey struggled with suicidal thoughts and lamented about his sexual orientation to his parole officer, perhaps the only person with which he ever discussed the issue. So he's like, oh, God, it's just so hard being gay. Um, also, the fact that I only want right. to sleep with people and they pretend to be dead, and actually I kill them so that and I can And then they actually sure. are dead. <laughs> they actually are dead. Like, he's fermenting that it's because he's gay, but no, it's because everybody knows you're a creep. It's weird. First of all, yeah. and for, don't remember, don't forget, he's drunk off his ass constantly. Oh, yeah, that's another thing. So he's at these bars trying yeah. to lure these men. He's probably falling, like, yeah, stumbling drooling, over himself. puking, like, oh, hey, you want to come back with me? And they're like, uh, no. And he reeks. Right. Because he doesn't have, he's living in a body where these decomposing body parts are sitting. Like, his apartment smelled so bad that on many occasions the neighbors complained, the landlord would say something, and Jeffrey was always like, oh, the refrigerator broke. Oh, the, there's something wrong with that. Oh, uh, a raccoon must have crawled. Yeah, yeah there, I think there's a dead mouse somewhere, and I can't find it. Like, in so, like, he, he stinks. And he wasn't a bad-looking guy. Like, he was a good-looking guy, but he was a fucking slob, and he was a creep. Yeah. So... We will pause to note that in addition to the fact that most of these men were gay or bisexual and that many were prostitutes, most were also people of color, as we discussed. With eight men vanishing off the queer scene of Milwaukee, it is certain that someone was looking for them. However, police could not be bothered with looking into the disappearances, and we have to wonder how hard it would have been to track down the killer since there was a convicted sexual felon with a notorious reputation sitting in the gay bars night after night going home with these men and showing back up without them. But nothing was done. I'm sure it would have been so easy. Uh, Hey, who was the last person you saw with this person? Go to the next bar. Hey, who was the last person you saw with this person? Minimal. Every single person saw the same Saw them with the same oh, person. Oh, he has a, a long history of a sexual abuse. Oh, wow. his house always smells like decomposing bodies. <laughs> it would have been the easiest police work in the fucking world if they had just cared. If you just walked in and been like, who most likely is a serial killer in here? Everyone would have said Jeffrey Dahmer. It was so fucking easy. But they just didn't give a fuck. In February, Jeffrey broke his hiatus and killed again when he met 17-year-old Curtis Strotter. Two months later, he lured Earl Lindsay to his apartment, the only victim where it specifically says he was straight. So this plays a part because, again, in 19... So Dahmer's arrested in the mid-1990s. I think 90... Actually, 92. <clears throat> um, and there were families that specifically were more outraged with their child being labeled as gay or insinuated as gay than they were almost it seemed than they were that their child was actually gay now i don't know if that's true but that's how it came across so his family so errol Lindsay's family specifically made it known that he was straight we're not going to touch it because they've sued a lot of people but errol Lindsay was straight and uh when um when jeffrey drugged him uh, lured him to his apartment drugged him and um, didn't kill him right away. Instead, he drilled a hole in Lindsay's head and poured hydrochloric acid into Lindsay's brain in an attempt to zombify him, which is just awful because especially Lindsay awoke and claimed to have a headache. So Dahmer drugged him again and then strangled him. Could you... Uh... It, that is the most horrific thing. 
you a hole has been drugged into your head and someone's poured acid into it and then you wake up and I think you have a headache I think you have yeah it is awful you I mean it's like they say like nothing is as scary as real life of course Jeffrey was keeping all these rotting body parts lying around his apartment and the building manager addressed the concern with him several times but Jeffrey insisted his freezer just kept breaking down and spoiling the food but if it wasn't food Dahmer's killing was only revving up now, I don't know what's wrong with this freezer that you gave me. Every time I plug it in, it just somehow it just breaks. It's constantly breaking. Well, well, how about you let me come in and fix it? No, 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 it's okay. I'm going to I'm going to fix it myself for as I, because I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a little bit of a of a mechanic. And this is me being Jeffrey Dahmer. He's drunk talking yeah. to his building manager. <laughs> I'm I'm a mechanic and I can fix this. So don't even worry about the smell because it's going to be gone. If his building manager had walked in there, he obviously couldn't have let anybody. He was right. yeah, literally they must not have gone past. He the couldn't have. He kept saying that his fridge was breaking down, but he obviously never let anybody in to fix his fridge right. because they would have found things. Surprising things. In May of 1991, Jeffrey killed 31-year-old Tony Hughes, and three days later, 14-year-old Kenorek, K-O-N-E-R-A-K. We are very sorry. We are awful at pronouncing, and we say that all the time, so we're sorry to the victim. However, the poor boy nearly escaped. Dahmer drugged Conorak, drilled a hole in his head, and then showed the still live and very drugged Conorak the rotting body of Tony Hughes. Then Dahmer left the apartment for more beer, leaving Conorak alone. The story, pulled straight from Wikipedia because we have no shame, was reported as such. Go ahead. Dahmer returned toward his apartment to discover a synthansom phone sitting naked. The, the on victim. The, yeah, on the corner of 25th and State. Talking in Lao. Lao. Talking I mean, in Lao. He was a Laotian boy. Talking in Lao with three distressed young women standing near him. Dahmer approached the trio and explained to the woman that the victim, whom he referred to by an alias, was his friend and attempted to lead him to his apartment by the arm. The three women dissuaded Dahmer, explaining they had phoned 911. Upon the arrival of two officers named John Balkerzak and Joseph Gar- Gabrish, Gabrish. Gabrish, Dahmer's demeanor relaxed. He informed the officers that the victim was his 19-year-old boyfriend, that he had drunk too much following a quarrel, and that he frequently behaved in this manner when intoxicated. The three women were exasperated, and when one of the trio attempted to indicate to one of the officers that the victim was bleeding from his buttocks and that he had fucking had a hole drilled in, in his, his goddamn head he had seemingly struggled against Dahmer's attempts to walk him to his apartment the officer harshly informed her to butt out and shut the hell up and not interfere adding the incident was domestic yeah so he's standing here this boy comes up he is bleeding he is 14 years old telling them he's being murdered three women uh and were they were women of color so i'm sure that factored into the how the doctors or how oh, the police yeah. officers interacted with it these three women are like this boy isn't like and they could tell also by the way jeffrey dahmer was acting that like there's something completely wrong here this boy is injured this man is trying to drag him back to his apartment they call 911 the officers show up and the officers are just like listen ma'am could you just shut shut up shut up we're trying to deal with a domestic incident here so against the protest of the three women, the officer simply covered the victim with a towel and walked him 
to Dahmer's apartment where, in an effort to verify his claim that he and the victim were lovers, Dahmer showed the officers the two semi-nude Polaroid pictures he had taken of the youth the previous evening. So many goddamn red flags. I can't believe that this boy looked like he was 19. And even if he did, I, 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 it's so fucking ridiculous. The officers later reported having noted a strange scent reminiscent of excrement inside the apartment. This odor emanated from the de decomposing body of Hughes. Dahmer stated that to investigate this, one officer simply needed to peek his head around the bedroom, but really didn't take a good look. So the officer goes in, quickly looks around the bedroom, and is so flippant about this claim that he doesn't even see the decomposing body on the fucking floor. God damn, man. You didn't give a fuck. The officers then left with the departing remark that Dahmer take good care of the victim. And had they conducted a background check on Dahmer, it would have revealed that he was a convicted child molester under probation. Upon the departure of the two police officers from his apartment, Dahmer again injected hydrochloric acid into the young boy's brain. On the second occasion, the injection proved fatal. And the officers actually called and um, they were laughing about the homosexual lovers. Like you can hear the um, transcript that are the tape that I like where they called mm -hmm. in the reports of the, and they were laughing about, you know, the homos yeah. and their dis, their domestic uh, dispute. And they never actually filed a real report. It was just listed in their calls back to the station. And the following day, May 28th, Dahmer took a day's leave from work to devote himself to the dismemberment of the young boy and Hughes. He retained both victim skulls. So sorry, I'm not having much commentary. I am sitting back here struggling with this because this is I so am horrendous, a squeamish. I you know mm -mm. I can't like, yeah. So in so June, awful. Jeffrey headed to Chicago for a getaway. There he murdered 20-year-old Matt Turner, and a few days later, 23-year-old Jeremiah Weinberger, um, who had his skull first filled with boiling water. Because mm -mm, he didn't have the his acid, so he got boiling water and poured it into the poor guy's skull. It's just awful. He actually was in a coma for two days before dying. Dahmer then reached... So if you didn't know, boiling your brain puts you in a coma. Yeah. Dahmer then turned returned home, and on July 15th, lured, drugged, strangled and murdered 24-year-old Oliver Lacey. He stored Oliver's head and heart in the refrigerator. At this point, there were body parts scattered around the apartment, some in jars with preserving materials, others just sitting out and, uh, and rotting. When Jeffrey murdered 25-year-old Joseph Bradhoft on July 19th, he left the body to rot on his bed for three days until the head was covered in maggots and Jeffrey disposed of the body. Yeah, he just he, at this point, he's like he doesn't even care. He, because yeah, he's just obviously he can get away with it he why should he yeah. fucking try and he's just having a complete breakdown or something he, like he's climbing into bed each night with this rotting body next to him it's just so um, eventually uh, Jeffrey was fired from his job at the chocolate factory that same month due to his many absences because he's calling out because he's got to kill all these people and you know he can do Take it because care of their body. The cops don't give a fuck on the 22nd of July Dahmer approached three men and invited them back to his, depart his apartment only one, Tracy Edwards, took him up on the offer. The night began innocent enough as they watched movies, which they watched uh, The Exorcist. So <laughs> that must have been creepy as fuck watching The Exorcist in Jeffrey Dahmer's goddamn apartment. Yeah. Never, never, like, God, that's the worst experience ever. Um, though we don't know how Edwards ignored the stench. 
But eventually Dahmer managed to handcuff Edwards and subdue him with the knife. So he like tricked Edwards into the handcuffs and then he put a knife to him. He told Tracy he was going to eat his heart, which was probably true since Jeffrey had recently begun to boil some of the flesh and organs of his victims and eat them. But Tracy fought back and managed to get away. He tracked down some officers and brought them back to Dahmer's place. Initially, Jeffrey tried to smooth things over, over with the officers, but they insisted on searching his place. When they discovered his box of Polaroids, he had taken hundreds of pictures of his victims in various stages of decom decomposition, he began to attack the officers. The officers subdued him and called for backup. And I just want to make one comment here. That they were in this white man's house with mm -hmm. pictures of all of these dead things, a stench of odor, and they subdued him. Yet... If you are a child or a teen person of color out on the streets with your arms up laying down, you will still be gunned down. Yep, you'll most like yeah, you will get shot. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying right. all the time, but the comparison here. You're oh, literally yeah. in the serial killer's house who's trying to kill you, and you can see that he's eating people. Yeah, and, and you you're just holding him down. Yeah, exactly. But you're right. If you're a, if you're a person of color, peacefully not resisting arrest, you'll still be shot. Um. One off, uh, the officers subdued him and called for backup, as I said. As Dahmer lay on the floor in handcuffs, one officer walked over to the fridge and opened it. Inside was the freshly severed head of Joseph Bradhoft. I can't imagine how traumatic that must have been. In all, the police found four severed heads and seven more skulls in the apartment, along with several hearts, penises, dozens of bones, and other body parts. Dahmer would eventually confess to 15 and later 17 murders. He was co found competent to stand trial and charged with 15 counts of murder and charged with 15 back-to-back -back life imprisonments. Yeah. The trial of Jeffrey Dahmer was especially hard on the queer community. Not only had our safe places been attacked and attacked by one of our own, but the public used Dahmer's trial to further villainize queer people. Journalist Robert Dvorak wrote on July 31st, 1991, Milwaukee's gay community was jolted with each grisly confession of murder by Jeffrey Dahmer. Gay males were preyed upon with promises of money, then drugged, strangled, and cut up. That's all everybody's talking about. He was stalking us. He was used, he used us as feeding grounds, says Scott Gunkel, 31, a bartender at a gay club and president of Milwaukee's Lamba Rights Network, a homosexual rights group. Grief over the slayings has been com compounded by a backlash since the story broke last week. Homosexuals said, homosexuals said, they said they have endured tossed eggs, verbal taunts, telephone death threats, and other harassment. Can you believe that? <clears throat> like, they were the community that was preyed on by one of their own. And the public is throwing eggs at them, taunting them, calling them, harassing them on the phone. What the fuck? It's just those good old Christian values. Yeah. People who hate the gay community now know uh, where we're located, said Gunkel. A message on his answering machine Tuesday said, you got what you deserved. You're going to get more of it if you don't shut up. You'll be next. The gay community is going back into the closet. They don't feel safe anymore, said Larry Taylor of the local gay group Black and White Men Together. For him to come into our community to stalk and murder us, it's sickening. He has ruined and destroyed a lot of people's lives. We've been telling people to protect yourself. Watch you... Watch who you go home with. Watch who you talk to in the bars, said Terry Boner, executive editor. This guy took off after the ones in our community who were the most susceptible, the most vulnerable, and the ones uh, least able to defend themselves. He especially sought out gays who were black, elements of the two groups he hated most. Yeah. 
And so, and, and this really did, it sparked a huge conversation in the, in like the Milwaukee um, Police Department's treatment of the homosexual or, or the queer community, which we're not going to get into, but there's a lot of articles from that time talking about it, about their treatment of the queer community, the treatment of people of color, again, the intersectional identities of being um, a gay man, a person of color, and if you're also a sex worker, you know, yeah. all those identities. Literally the perfect trio of... Mm-hmm. Who do the police give the least fucks about? Exactly, exactly. And so, the, and the, it did spark that d- discussion, which was good. A lot of people were forced to resign. The two officers that ignored, that sent the boy back, were suspended. I think eventually they, have been they were fired. They weren't charged. I think they might have been fired, but they Gross were at least negligence, suspended. Isn't that a thing? Exactly. Yeah, you spent, sent a fourteen-year-old boy back to fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. Um, and, uh, and then the news broke that just a week earlier, before Dahmer was arrested. Police, two policemen had sat around and watched five men beat up two other gay men in in Milwaukee. And mm-hmm. again, it was it was uh, it was a perfect example of how the little the police cared about the queer community and how many times they could have stopped this and they just couldn't give a fuck. So as our community floundered, our enemies came in for a kick to the stomach. And while it seemed we would never recover, in time we did. As always, we pulled together to face the hate. Even the darkest form of self-hate, which destroys the individual and eventually anyone else in their path. But there is hope, especially as we progress and find more ways to live openly and authentically. As we repair relationships with law enforcement, churches, the media, and our local communities, we can begin to trust that we will have somewhere to turn if a Dahmer ever lurks again. Though sadly, we're not there yet. Transgender individuals, and especially transgender women of color, still face incredible violence and little to no action. There were 29 murders of transgender people in 2017, 26 in 2018, and one death so far in 2019. Most were against trans women of color and most showed a clear anti-trans bias. We still have a long way to go. But as for Jeffrey Dahmer, rather than accepting himself, he found a different form of forgiveness. Mm. Shortly after completing his lengthy confessions in 1991, Dahmer... Which you can hear, sorry, if you want to on your resource, if you want to, you can go to YouTube and you can uh, watch the Jeffrey Dahmer interviews. Um, Dahmer had requested to be given a copy of the Bible. This request was granted and Dahmer gradually... Uh, devoted himself to Christianity and became a born-again Christian. On his father's urging, he also read creationist books from the Institute for Creation Research. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to say it right because it's not a real fucking thing. I mean, it is, but it's not real. Yeah. In May 1994, Dahmer was baptized by Roy Ratcliffe, a minister in the Church of Christ, in the prison Whirlpool. Following his baptism, baptism, Ratcliffe visited Jeffrey on a weekly basis up until November 1994. When referring to his crimes in a 1994 interview with Stone Phillips on Dateline NBC, Dahmer had stated, If a person doesn't think that there is a God to be accountable to, then what's the point of trying to modify your behavior to keep it within acceptable ranges? That's how I thought anyway. I don't know. uh, How about just wanting to be a good fucking person? Yeah, right? Like trying to blame it on atheism. Like, well, it's because I didn't believe in God. You know, I just didn't believe in God, so I didn't have... Without God, you don't have morals. Mm, fuck you. As insulting as it is to be like, you're gay, that's what makes you a pervert. It's also to be like, oh, you don't have morals. You're an atheist, so you don't have morals. Fuck you. Anybody can have morals. You just have to be a good fucking person. Paul and I are mostly good people. I am <laughs> an all the way good person. Mm, I am a good spirit. You are. You are. No, you're a good person. I'm just making a <laughs> joke. Except for that one time. No. 
The one time, okay? Let me tell you. <laughs> the, the body just had time, to disappear. The one time that we drilled a hole into that guy's head. And, he pissed um, me off. Well, he had, one. he had it coming to him. <laughs> um, no, uh, but God is a fickle bitch, as history has told us. On November 28th, 1994, Dahmer and two other men, Jesse Anderson and Christopher Scarver, were left alone for 20 minutes to clean the prison bathrooms. When the supervisor returned, both Dahmer and Anderson had been severely beaten by Scarver. The inmate... The inmate had then returned to his cell and told the guard, God told me to do it. Jesse Anderson and Jeffrey Dahmer are dead. Well, now, well, what did Jesse Anderson do? I don't know. Oh, but the, well, good. Fucking, I'm glad somebody beat the shit out of Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, more he than that, he it. killed him. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he had a fucking Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't have any sympathy for him. I don't know who Jesse Anderson is. I don't know. I don't know that he deserved it. Maybe he did. I don't know. But Jeffrey Dahmer definitely did. Jeffrey Dahmer definitely did. Dahmer was rushed to the hospital but died a few hours later. Anderson soon followed him in death. That same year, Lionel Dahmer, Jeffrey's father, published a book, A Father's Story, and donated part of the proceeds to the victim's families. Not all of it. He had to make sure he made a couple bucks off of it. Uh, I'm all set with Lionel. I don't know. Lionel Dahmer was a father. He loved his son to the end. Um, But I... How triggering is the book? I'm sure it's triggering. You know, it's a whole, whole, it's a father just constantly trying to justify or saying, well, you know, he showed signs here and and maybe if we had done this better there. Jesus, man. And and if you're going to write a book about it, donate all the money to the victim's families, which a a couple of the victim's families sued him for more money. Good. You know, so though the families later sued Lionel for using their loved one's names without their consent. And it is fair for families to want to protect the memory of their loved one. But we also know that some families and friend, family members were insulted that their loved one was labeled homosexual. Because even in the deepest grief, homophobia still looms large. Because you know what? They were murdered, but as long as they weren't gay and murdered. Exactly, because that's the only thing that could be worse is if your son was horrifically murdered and labeled gay. And some of the families knew, and, and, and we're not going to be, you know, we're not going to belittle their grief their grief is their grief and this was the 90s and and some parents probably didn't know and some loved ones didn't know that their son was oh yeah gay, you know um and there's just and but if they were they were they were they were that wasn't the problem problem wasn't they're gay problem wasn't even that they were a sex worker the problem was that jeffrey dahmer was a predator that could have been stopped earlier and he did he wasn't and he had a lot of self-hate and I, maybe the fact that he was gay and he felt like he couldn't talk, helped him further justify his Maybe crimes. it escalated it a little Maybe bit. Maybe it did. Maybe it escalated his drinking. I don't yeah. know. But it wasn't the reason why he was a Absolutely serial killer. Not. He was a serial killer. Jesus saved him in the end, hallelujah, though, because Jesus always coming through the class. Too bad he couldn't have saved him before he killed those 17 people. Right? You know what? Too but bad. Uh, <laughs> better God late than never. The, God knows the way. God God has a plan always, whatever. But um, that's um, all we have time for today, Queer Shades. That's what we have, yeah. I would encourage you to do a little more research, but again, we covered this because it directly affects the queer community um, in so many ways it did, and we felt like it was an important story to tell. Uh, we'll have more fun stuff. We got George uh, Jose Serrero. We're going to be covering next week, and then uh, we'll soon be covering. Um, we'll be covering Sylvia Rivera, I think. Yeah, and also um, an episode on sexual health. Oh yeah, an episode. Yeah, mini episode on ex- sexual health is going to yep. be coming. So, anyways, our little homocrats stay queer. Don't get a lobotomy. Um, we love you, our succulent Saphis. Um, and our allied hookers. You don't know the outro by now, but bye. Um, if you're gay, don't be driving. It's not safe. Bye. bye.
Thanks for listening. Remember to subscribe and review wherever you are listening and follow us on social media at Your Queer Story. Like what you heard? Want to share your story? Send us a voice message to add to the podcast from the Anchor app or at anchor.fm slash yourqueerstory. And if you would like to support the work we do or get exclusive content, check us out on patreon.com slash yourqueerstory. See you next week. Bye. Bye.